0: go ahead and turn in our Bibles to the book of Exodus. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to look at a few verses in here. So let's go ahead and stand and we'll get right into this. Exodus chapter 20. We're going to read verses, verses 1 and 2 and then drop down to verse number 7. And we're going to read 7 through 11. It says in Exodus chapter 20, it says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. This is two verses right before the Ten Commandments. Then you go down to the third commandment in verse number seven. It says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And then it says in verse number eight, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God in it thou shalt not do any work thou nor thy son nor thy daughter nor man servant nor maid service nor the cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gates for in 6 days the lord made heaven and earth and sea and all of them in, and all that is in them and resteth the 7th day wherefore the lord blessed the sabbath day and hallowed it let's pray lord i thank you for your word i thank you for the Ten Commandments that you gave us, they weren't ten suggestions, they were ten commandments we need to follow. Although they're in the Old Testament, we know that they're in the New Testament also when Christ repeats his two. And Lord, as I, as I look at these, may we understand what you're trying to get us to get out of these. And as we, we, we check out the last two that pertain to God in his day, that we might just apply it in our lives and we'll give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, isn't it wonderful to study the Bible. And when you study the Bible real quick, you'll find we, we're going to do some re- review a little bit about this. Can you turn the lights down a little bit lower back up here so they can see this a little bit better? Um, don't shut them all the way off, but there we go. Turn it down a little bit. So back to the basics. What, if there's anything that's in base, basic in the Old Testament, it is the Ten Commandments. Um, we live in, a, in a, a country that they have taken those out of the classrooms and it's really affected our kids. They don't even know what these are. And so we've got to get back to understanding what the Ten Commandments are. And just for sake of review, we're going to look at a few things. We talked about this. In the Old Testament, there's Ten Commandments. They asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was, and he, He did what? He gave two commandments. Those two confine all the Ten Commandments. And as you look at them, they're found in Matthew and they're found in Mark. If you want to look those up. A lawyer asks him a question, or are trying to trick him. But if you, if you sum it all up, the first four commandments in the Old Testament is a first commandment that Jesus says. The last six, five through ten, is a second commandment. And well, let's break the first one down when, he, when they're talking to Jesus. They said this in Matthew chapter 22, 37, Jesus saying to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This deals with the first four commandments. Okay, and it also deals with his day. Now, we broke it down a little bit further. It says heart, soul, and mind. The heart is the center of all physical and spiritual. That's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to give him all of that. When you do that, you're not going to make a graven image. You're not going to take his name in vain. And then the second one is is feelings and affections. Anybody have any feelings in here? You know why people sometimes don't come back to church? Because their feelings are hurt. Maybe you didn't shake their hand. Maybe you didn't notice them. I appreciate that in the front, they, didn't, they said, oh, you forgot our, birth, our, our anniversary. And I said, well, I'll do it this week. No, no, you don't need to do that. But well, we did it anyway, amen? But you know, some people will get offended. They didn't even acknowledge me on my anniversary. They didn't acknowledge me on my birthday. We get our feelings and our affections hurt. And you know what God wants us to do? He wants us to give His, His soul to, our soul to Him, our feelings and affections. And then the last one says, our way of thinking. Now, let me ask you a question. Does everybody in here have a different way of thinking? Oh, yeah. We think different things all the time. Understanding and thoughts. Your thought process is probably not, if you're married, probably not like your wife or your husband. Amen? Do you ever think different? You know, I I was teasing the Barnetts are going on a cruise, and I was teasing their youngest daughter, and And I said to her yesterday, not their youngest daughter, their oldest daughter, and I said, you know what you need to do, Emily? You need to see if the the captain will let you ski behind that boat. She was like, well, what happens if I fall off? I said, there's little boats back there that'll catch you. And she said, and I said, they might let you go tubing. Just ask them. Sometimes, and she finally realized that I was just joking with her, but, you know, can you see her going up to the captain and say, hey, can I... Can I ride behind the boat? We all have things that we deal with. We have different processes that we think. And the Bible says, and Jesus tells me, says, listen, you're to love the Lord thy God with all your mind. That means everything. When you break down all these things, your heart, soul, and your mind, It's breaking into everything. Now, what about the Ten Commandments? For sake of review, we talked about this. God was the author. Look at verse number one. It says, And God spake all these words, saying, It wasn't Moses that came up with these. It was God. It was God's Ten Commandments. Not only is He the author, but look at verse number two. It says in verse number two, as we read it, it says, I am the Lord, what's the next word? Thy God. He is our God. And he gives us rules, and those rules are made, will make us what we need to be. And the third one is, he brought me out of this world. I am no longer, this is not my resting place. We, um, my wife and I went to look at a house yesterday, and, in the, and you don't see this normally in a house, so you they would usually take it down, but in the, on the left side of the house, there's a big old white cross on it. And I went over, and apparently their dog had passed away, and they'd put their dog, and they had buried it, and on the on the cross, when you got closer, it said Elvis was their dog's name. I mean, that's that's something that's kind of neat. You buy a house, and Elvis is on your property. Amen. You know, I'm not. This is not where I'm going to end up at. This is, and look what it says in verse number two. It says, "For I, uh, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt." That's a form. Egypt's always been a form of the world. And he says, listen, I brought you out of this. That's why I'm giving these Ten Commandments. This was after they had gotten out of Egypt. And then the fourth one is this. He takes us out of our sin bondage. Sure, we're going to have sin in our life. But when you have sin, guess what? The Holy Spirit should convict you and you should want to get it out. And then that's that sin bondage. And once I uh, confess to the Lord, guess what? He takes away those sins. He makes me what I need to be. So what about these Ten Commandments? At the beginning of this, he tells you he's the author. He tells you he's your God. He also tells you he brought you out of the world and he take you out of sin bondage. Isn't that great to know before you get into the Ten Commandments? Then we talked about the first one and the second one. First one's found in verse number three. Second one's found in verse number four. But let's look at the third and fourth commandment. And I want you to see this as we go through it. The, the third one is what? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Wow. You say, well, I would never do that. Hmm. I think we do more than what we think we do. We use his word pretty, his name pretty flippantly. You know, sometimes when we get in trouble, oh look what God put me through. Maybe sometimes it's what we put ourselves in. The second one, the 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 last one is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, if you if you do some studying on the on the third one, we would probably in here not say oh, and I'm just going to say oh my God. We probably wouldn't say that, but we hear people saying it all the time. How many of you ever watch HGTV? Man, they say it all the time in there. They'll walk into a room, and they won't say, what a beautiful room, what will they say? They'll either say one of two things, and I'm guilty of this, what I do is I think, if they say the word gosh, they must be a Christian, if they don't, they must not be. That's my thought process with it, which is probably wrong. They'll say, oh my gosh, and I think, oh, they're, they're Christians, they're not saying God. But in all actuality, what are they doing? They're using a euphemism to replace that word. That's the same thing. God doesn't want His name to be just a, in vain. He wants it there because when you pray to Him, what are you doing? You are talking to Him personally and then His name means something to you. Look at the last one. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, I'm 52 years old. Now, I can remember when things were shut down on, on, on the Sabbath. Watch. What is the only restaurant that shut down on the Sabbath? Chick-fil-A. Everybody knows that. And to the young people, it's like, wow, I can't believe they do that. Why would they do that? Because it was a Christian organization. I remember what YMCA stood for. Young Man's Christian Association. It doesn't stand for that anymore. They've taken a different stance on this, but it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now there's a few things that are holy. The Bible and God. Cows are not holy and mackerel are not holy. But you'll hear people say that all the time. They've made that word where it's just something that's really light. But being holy is to be like God. It's interesting that they use the word holy cow a lot, and a lot of people worship animals. And they worship cows distinctly. So we've got to look back at this, we've got to figure out, why, how can we get away from taking the Lord's name in vain? How can we, how can we remember the Sabbath to keep it holy? Well, I was, I was praying about this, and I thought, how in the world could I explain this with a different story in the Bible? And something came to me, and I want you to look at this. This is a story, and you're going to go, how in the world is he going to relate this back to this? But just follow along with me as we look at one person in the Bible. There's a person mentioned in the Bible in the book of Judges. Let's go to Judges chapter 13. You'll also actually find him in another, another verse, and it's found in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, someone help me with this. What's Hebrews chapter 11? It's the chapter of faith. faith. All right. Let's go, to, let's go to Judges 13, and we're going to look this story up, and then we're going to pull it all together, and I want you to see how we can get this. Judges chapter 13, you're going to have to follow along and you're going to have to think like Walter Wagner for just a second once we get to it. But I want you to see this, and, and it's the story of, let's go to verse, um, chapter 13, go to the next to last verse. It says in verse number 24, it says, and the woman bare a son and called his name, what's the word? Samson. Now, Samson, what do you think of when you think of Samson. There's a lot of things I think of. Number one, I don't think he was built like everybody thought he was. I think he was just an average guy. If I walked up to somebody that was built like Arnold Schwarzenegger and said, where's your strength at? I would know it was in his muscles, right? But if I saw somebody like me and he walked up and said, how are you so strong? You would never say, okay, I'm going to pick on somebody. Josh, would you ever think that my muscles make me strong? Okay, he doesn't want to answer, but then he would say no, all right? He would go, what in the world? It's like walking up to Barney Fife and saying, how do you get your strength? So how does he get from Judges chapter 13 to Judges chapter 16? His whole life is told in four chapters. But in Hebrews chapter 11, he's honorable mention with his name in there. And you think, wow, when you know his story, and everybody knows his story, and we're going to review it in just a second. Think, how does he get into... Hebrews chapter 11. And how did he go from where he started to this? To being in the palace and knocking the pillars down. He went from being born to this part in his life, and this was the last act that he did. He knocked down the pillars. Wow, you say, well, what's this got to do with the third and the fourth is taking the Lord's name in vain and and remember the Sabbath because there's problems with Samson, and we're going to get into those in just a second. But I want you to see this. Samson's life can be found in four chapters. Let's break these down really quick. In four chapters with Samson, the first one is in Judges chapter 13, he was born. Um, that's the only thing that happens in Judges chapter 14. Let's read those last two verses. It says, And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew, and, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan. And, and it just tells you that the, he was going to be used through this. Then all of a sudden, chapter 14 comes along, and here's what he does. He sees a woman. He kills a lion. with his. He doesn't even want to tell his dad. He kills a lion with his bare hands. And you read the third one really quick. It says, eat the honey. Now that's very important because he was not to touch anything that was unclean. Where was the honey at? It was in the carcass of the lion. He was a Nazarite. There's two things he's not supposed to do. One of the main things, he's not supposed to touch a dead animal, an unclean thing. And the second thing he's not supposed to do is what? Everybody knows it. Cut his hair. And so he eats the honey. Then he tells a riddle to these people, and this girl bats his girl bats her eyes at him and says, tell me the riddle, and just keeps working on him, working on him. And he finally tells her, and then they figure out the riddle, so he gets them back, and he goes and kills 30 men, takes their uniforms and brings them back to the other people. So that's his story in chapter 14. Then you chapter 15, this is an interesting story. Um, the 300 foxes. Now, I don't know where you get 300 foxes, And I don't know how you corral them, but he catches 300 foxes. And he puts them in somewhere, I don't know what he does, and then he does something that's amazing to me. I'd like for someone to try this. I'll give you two foxes if you can do this. He ties them together. He ties their tails together. I don't know if he uses something. I'm sure he doesn't use their tail themselves. And then he sets them on fire and he releases them. And what happens? They, they take off running and, and they burn. It burns the corn and the vineyards and the olives. The olive trees, they're just burnt to the ground. Later on, it, some men would walk up to him and they tie him up and he asked him, he said, are you going to do something to me? He says, no, I'm not going to do anything. We're just going to give you to the Philistines. He takes him to the Philistines and and unbeknownst to the Philistines, they, they don't know it's a trap. And, and he has this, they've got him bound and all of a sudden he gets in the midst of them and he, and he um, pulls these things off, gra- grabs the jawbone of an ass and he starts killing. He kills a thousand men. There were 3,000 men there. I don't know what happened to the other 2,000, but thousand men die that day at the hands of, of Samson. They were really concerned about this man. Then he has twi- it talks about the last verse in this chapter. It says that he judged them for 20 years. Now you're going to come to the sad part that everybody knows about Samson. It's chapter 16. He takes the gate and the two posts and he brings them down and he mocks them what they're doing. Then, look at the second one on this. He meets Delilah. And he loses his strength. And... He kills more Philistines in his death. And there's many years, that are, there's years in, the, in that whole chapter, chapter 16. And as you study this, you just realize, wow, that was a short period in the Bible. And, and what book is it found in? It's found in Judges. He was one of the judges. Gideon was in front of him, and, and here, here he is. And, and, it, and he's going to judge the nation of Israel. And yet, you, you look at his life and you think, man, you've just made some blunders in your life. I almost think, you know, I look at him and go, he's got to be one of the dumbest people to walk the face of the earth. But you know what? He's just like us. He's just like me. He's just like you. Samson, when you relate this to the third and fourth commandment, you're going to see where this all ties in. Samson had two main problems in his life. You know what his two problems were? Now tell me this is not me and you. The first one is this. He got used to it. He just got used to it. And the second one is this. Now, this is me. You ever done something wrong? You know, I was was telling, um, I think I was telling Brandon this this morning. Yesterday, I got a, a letter in the mail. And it was from the photograph district of the police department. Amen. They had a picture. And you know, me being the detective, I try to figure out wait a second, I don't know if I was driving that vehicle. But my wife never breaks the law, amen. It'd be more more obvious that I broke and they got pictures of us. Not they don't got pictures of us, but they got pictures of the back of the vehicle. And I've had people tell me you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And I was trying to figure this out. What you know what I do? How many of you ever been speeding and not got caught? You ever pull over to the police department and say, hey, I was speeding. Will you give me a ticket? You know what we do? He made excuses. Let me show you something. I'm going to give you a visual real quick, and I want you to see this. Here's what we do, and I'm going to have to put this on the the ground so that everybody can see it. Here's what we do with God sometimes. Mm. Now, I know you can't physically do this, Because God is everywhere. But here's what we do. We place God in a chair. Now, was Samson, was Samson's God your God? Yeah. Has he given you the ability to do stuff? Absolutely. But you know what we do sometimes with with God? We put him in the chair and we say this, we can handle this. You ever done that? We get used to it where we're at, right? And we say, okay, you, God, you just, I want you just to sit right here and I'll take care of this situation. You ever done that? Ray, have you ever done that? I've done it numerous times. You know, especially when I've gone through something more than one time. I can handle this, God, it's going to be okay. And we fail to pray and we fail to ask God what we need to do. We, we fail to say, you know what? Sometimes I can go through two, the same situation twice and get two different responses, Amen. So we put God in a chair and we say, okay, you just stay there. I can handle this. When I need you, I'll come back and get you. You ever been there? I've done that. I can handle the situation I'm at. Do you not think that Samson thought that? You don't think he got used to it? Watch Samson's life. There's three things you got to look at when you look at Samson's life. First, number one, where he was. He got used to where he was. He was living with the enemy. Delilah was not his friend. I've often told this. Most people don't know of anybody by the name of Delilah, especially if you're a Christian. You're not going to name your Christian daughter when they're born Delilah. Or Jezebel, okay, just just if if I come to one of these these young couples that have a baby and then they say, this is Jezebel, I'm walking out of the room. (laughs) I'm going to say, you need to reevaluate what you're doing. He was living with the enemy, and he was not obeying the law. See, we sit there and we say, God, now you stay there, I'll handle this, everything's going to be okay. If I need you, I'll come back. Can I tell you the safest place for you to be is right here being right in the center of God's will. So whatever happens, whether it's one way or another, you're still right with him. Instead of just saying, you stay there, I got it. See, Samson, he, he tried to do everything on his own. And he knew he had the strength, but then he does something that's incredible as he made excuses for what he did. Let's read the story. I'm going to make it a little bit shorter because of time, but I want you to follow along when he meets this wonderful woman by the name of Delilah. Go to Judges chapter 16, and let's pick this up, and I want you to see this. In verse number 10 is when he, um, verse number four is when he meets Delilah. It says in verse number four, and it came to pass afterwards that he loved a woman in the Valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Now, it didn't take very long for the Philistines to pick up on her, and look at verse number five. It says, and the Lord of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth and by what means we may prevail against him that we may bind him to afflict him and we will give thee every one of us 1,100 pieces of silver. They've went to her and said they've enticed her with money. Now here's where we read this and we think, what is Samson thinking? Because here she comes to him in verse number 6, verse number number 10, verse number 13. She asks him what his strength is. The first time he tells her, Oh, if you just take undried cords and put them around me, wrap me around with those, I'll lose my strength. The second time, he says, if you put new ropes on me, you will take away my strength. And if you watch this, the third time he gives in to her a little bit because he's getting closer to the source. What does he do on the third time? He says... If you put my hair in a weaver's beam, now notice how he's getting closer. Before it was arms around his arms, now he's got him, Now it's up by his, uh, his head. And I don't know. Maybe maybe Samson not only is sometimes I think he's one of the dumbest people, but he must have been one of the most heavy sleepers I've ever met. They've wrapped him up twice. Now they're messing with his hair. If someone messes with your hair, will you wake up? I will. I always think of that story where you swallow so many spiders, every, every, every person swallows so many spiders, and I don't want the spider to be in my hair, let alone play with my, I don't want to swallow it, I don't want it to be in my hair. And then the fourth one, what does he do? He says, if you cut my hair, well, everything that he said to her happened. Is that a coincidence? Do you think Samson woke up and goes, do you think he just lost his mind? I think somewhere along the line, you know what he did? He made some excuses. Well, she loves me, and she, she's still here for me. It's The first time, I, I don't know if she was a part of it. And the second time, and the third time, and now the fourth time? Everybody's watched those shows where someone goes in, a, a police officer will interrogate somebody, and then they admit to something they didn't do you're not going to get me to admit to something I didn't do. Well, you don't understand the circumstances. If someone got murdered and they said, did you do it and I didn't do it, there's no way I'd sign a piece of paper saying I did. But for some reason along the line, Samson lost reality because he forgot where he he was living at. He forgot that he was living with the enemy. He forgot to obey God's law. He was getting just used to where he was. And then he made excuses. Let's watch the last one. And I'm going to read one of the saddest verses in the Bible, and it's found in, in, this, in this chapter. Let's go to verse number 15 in Judges chapter 17. Here's Delilah talking to him. and, and um, Watch her just pour it on. After three times that they've done this, and it says, And she said unto him, How canst thou say? I love thee. You can just feel just syrup dripping off of her lips when she's saying this. And he's just eating it. When thine heart is not with me, thou hast mocked me these three times. Wait a minute. Mocked you? I told you how I'd lose my strength, and, you, and when I woke up, every time they were like that. Keep reading. It says, and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass when, read these next four words out loud with me. She pressed him daily. She wore him out. With her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. And watch this verse number 17. That he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon my head. For I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me. I shall become weak and be like any other man. Now watch verse number 18. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called. She calls these guys up and said, this is what it is. Now, I don't know how he fell asleep and had his head shaved while he fell asleep. But he had just gotten so used to where he was, just like we do. He had just just made so many excuses for what he had done. Maybe he thought, I don't think his end result was he thought, hey, I'm going to get out of this. She's not going to do it because she loves me. She told me. But that's not what happened. Saddest verse in the Bible, one of the saddest verses in the Bible is found in this verse. I want you to go and I want you to see verse number 20. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee after they shaved. It says, Samson, he woke up out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. Now watch this last statement. And he wist not that the Lord had departed from him. He didn't realize that God was no longer there. Boy, that's a sad day, isn't it? Not to be gross, but look what they did to him right off the bat. Go to verse number 21. And the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. You know why they did that? So they could, if, if he did get his strength or if he could come at him, they couldn't see him. He couldn't defend himself. They made sport of him. They'd bring him into the banquets whenever they would come. And I don't know how long it was between the time that they did that and the time that he died. But I do know one thing. His hair started growing. But, you know, we better not get used to our life. We better not get be, be used to where we're at. Don't you think God wants us to continually grow? If you had a child that was seven years old and never grew, never grew, never grew, never grew, never grew, never grew got, got about thirteen, would you not be taking that, that that baby to the doctor? Absolutely, you would. As a Christian, we need to continue to continually grow. Now, how do you get this from the third and the fourth commandment? It's very simple. When you look at it, we get used to it, and the last one, we make excuses. Watch. We get used to it. We get used to hearing God's name in vain. It doesn't even affect us anymore. Don't you? We say words that mean those words and we we don't even think about it. And what does God think? You say, Pastor Ryan, you're you're getting ridiculous. I didn't make the commandment. God did. He made this commandment. He said, listen, don't take my name in vain. Man, my God is a Savior. My God's a creator. My God's a sustainer. He's not just a word. And we sometimes take it, well, where do we get it from? Maybe at your work. Maybe some people at your work just use His name in vain. Well, I can't change them. You don't have to listen to them. Well, you say, maybe I have to because I have to work with them. I understand that. What about television? Wow. Boom, it got quiet in here. What about radio? Boom, we hear His name. And we just sit back because we get used to it and we just say, well, they're not really meaning that, God. Yes, they are. We hear it on the radio. we We hear it day to day. We hear God's name taken in vain all the time. And you know what we do? We get used to it. My God is not a cuss word. My God is not the person that when something's exciting, we say, oh, look what God did. Now, I don't have a problem with it when we say, look how God blessed us, but when we just, we hear people saying, oh my God, oh my God, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and we think it's okay. That's what God's telling you on the third commandment. It must have been important, Larry Hilton, because I'm telling you, he doesn't want us to do it. And then we say, well, what about the fourth one? Remember the Sabbath day, to keep it Holy. We make excuses for not using the Sabbath day. It was good weather. I couldn't come to church. Are you kidding me? Who made the weather? Well, you know, hunting season's almost here. Hey, I I saw Dorcas almost hit a deer yesterday riding down the road. She didn't mean to, but we were, I was thinking, I was going to call Denver, bring your knife, we're going to fillet some stuff, and we're going to have some venison tomorrow. Man, we make excuses, don't people make excuses? Well, there's a sporting event on. Have you ever heard of a DVR? How many of you remember days before the DVR? I do. Man, you got DVRs, you can DVR. Well, it's a Super Bowl. God would want me to stay home on a Super Bowl. Where do you get that at? You know, I always pray on the Super Bowl Sunday. I know this is terrible. I pray that more of the people that go to church, whichever team has more people go to church, I pray that they win. (laughs) I know it may be a carnal thing to say, but that's what I want to do. But we make excuses all the time. Being in church, maybe we need to sleep. Oh, you don't understand. I've had a rough day. Who hasn't had a rough day? Who hadn't had a rough week? One day I woke up and I said, "Hun, I don't want to go to church. She said, you have to, you're the pastor. (laughs) And and then there's the Sunday flu. That's a great excuse. I can't go to church, man. But you know what? You feel great on Monday when you go to work. God is watching. And and, and I want to tell you, if you don't think the last one, we make excuses is true, you don't know, you're not living in this world. Because we look for excuses, we get used to what we hear, what we bring into our life, and God says He hates it. And as we look at these excuses, you think, well, what what do I got to do? Don't make excuses. If the Lord came back on a Sunday morning, I wonder how many people would have to look at God and say, I'm sorry I wasn't in church because da-da-da-da-da. And let's just hit this while we're at it to make everybody happy. It's the Lord's day, not the Lord's morning. You say, well, why are you so mean today? I don't know. (laughs) But I do know this, that God takes His Word very serious. And when when you say His name, and then when you get in a bind and you say, Lord, please be with me, how's He supposed to tell the difference? Is it a prayer request or is it just that you're just wanting to use His name? I've had people cuss in front of me Oh man, not from the church, but I've been out there and I've been playing golf before with people and Ray golfs with me. I've golfed with Larry. They're not the two that, we're not going to start rumors of that. Charlie's not the one that's doing that. But I've been out golfing. I hear cuss words. And then I won't tell them what I do. And eventually through a matter of time, I'll say, well, I'm a Baptist preacher. And you know what they do? They instantly think, I just said a cuss word three holes holes again away. And then they'll go, hey preacher, I'm sorry I said that. I should have never said that. And they know what's right and wrong. And then I'll turn around and say, you don't need to apologize to me. You need to apologize to God. You didn't call my name in vain. You called His name in vain. We've got to get back to understanding that His name should mean something. We sing a song. I don't know what it is, Later, but it's a song where His name is wonderful and we go through all these different names that He is. And that's what it's all about. God wants us not to get used to His name. God wants us to quit making excuses. And I'm not preaching to anybody. I don't know what you... But we we use some of the dumbest excuses for God. And we would never do that sometimes for our work. And I wonder what God does. He just sits down there and He's just looking at us going, and I created you. I just want you to serve me. I want you to understand how great I am. He actually says this. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. And if you didn't have me, what would happen when you pass away? And you know what? I sacrificed my son that you take his name in vain also. What are you going to do with this? The third commandment shouldn't take God's name in vain. The fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy with every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know where you stand with um, the third one, watching His name, but God does not take it lightly. If I were to say your name over and over, and I did this one one Sunday, I was talking to Brian when I kept saying his name over and over and over and over and over. Vain repetition. Gets to where sometimes we just get numb about it. But then we have the, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, And I'm talking to the choir here. Everybody here is very faithful. What are you going to do with the Sabbath day? I remember when people wouldn't work. I remember if you traveled on Sundays when I was growing up, sometimes most gas stations were shut down. Now it's just another day. I'm thankful for Chick-fil-A. I give them my support as much as possible because they're taking a stand when no one else will take a stand. Don't kid yourself. They've taken a lot of hits with this. But as Christians, be very careful that you don't take his name in vain. We're going to just have a prayer time in just a second. And you're going to pray to that God that sometimes we we use his name in vain. Understand how powerful he is. He can calm the storms, but he also can create a storm. I can't do that. Don't put God in a chair. Let God be with you. And the last one keep the Sabbath. 52 times in a year, Sabbath day comes along. And you know, if you don't come on a Sunday or and you find an, an, one of the excuses that, that I've mentioned, can I tell you this? What's going to happen is it's probably something you needed that day and Satan knew it and didn't want you to come. Lord, I love these people. I love this church. I love this ministry. There's many great people in here. But Lord, may we truly realize that you, you care for us that you want the best for us. And Lord, when it comes to these commandments, I'm not supposed to take your name in vain. Your name should be something that's holy, just like your Sabbath day is holy. We're to keep it holy. Lord, may we apply this in our lives and and really be different for it. May May we think when we hear those words that are referring to you that you're not those words. You're my Savior. You're my creator. You're the one that sacrificed your son for me. You're the one that sent him down this earth to be born in a stable, to be hung on a cross and to be delivered out of a a tomb. Yeah, your your name means something. And then the day that we worship you, Lord, may we really truly understand that we need to worship you with our whole heart. May we understand that it's Lord's day we'll give you all the praise and glory for it. If there's someone in here that doesn't know you as personal Savior, they wouldn't understand this name situation. They wouldn't understand this day. But Lord, hopefully they understand that maybe they're making excuses for their salvation. May they get that settled today and not wait another day. Lord, just be with this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you could stand for us. Here's a prayer request that we're going here's to... The, here's the invitation, a little di- different invitation tonight. I just really want you to prayerfully consider the third and fourth commandment. And I'm talking to saved people in here. If you're not a saved person, come to this altar and we'll show you what it means to be saved, where you can know his name and it's not a cuss word, it is a savior. But how many of you in here would say, you know, I really need to work on this third commandment. What I hear, what I put in my, what I put in my body what I see. How many of you would say, you know, there's times in my life where I hear it and I don't say anything about it. If we were really honest with ourselves, we do it all the time. Maybe it's a euphemism, a word that means the same thing. We need to really work on it. Our God loved us so much and he set some rules and this is one of them. And it's a Sabbath day today. We need to keep it holy. You say, well, what am I going to do? Sometimes we'll make excuses for, for not coming. Sometimes we'll, we'll look at a situation and say, I don't know if that really pertains to me. Man, we need to be in God's house when God's doors are open. Lord, I thank you for these people. May we come to this old-fashioned altar and just pray over this. We'll, we'll keep the third and the fourth commandment. As we get into five through, five through ten commandments, Man, they're they're right down to where we are. Our relationship with people and things. Lord, so often we overlook the first four when it relates to you. And I know you put those in that order because you are more important than people. May we have that right relationship that we protect your name and we protect your day. Be with this invitation in Jesus' name as the piano starts.